I don't think anyone in the construction technology space is being like, you need to do, you know, this BIM thing and, you know, you need to do all this. It's just like bring in some level of mm -hmm. innovation and work through that and build that up because that's going to better your company internally. And it goes back to kind of, I guess, the millennial workforce that is coming up, not only on the field side, but also on the project manager, PC side of things, you know, estimator side is they're going to want to use technical tools and it's going to cost you some money, but you're going to see the ROI at the end, right? Hello, innovators. I'm Todd Wyant, and welcome to the Bridging the Gap podcast sponsored by Applied Software. You're invited to join our MEP and construction innovation adventure with a mission to propel this great industry forward. Today, we are joined by an innovative mind. He is the co-founder of Faber Connect, a construction software platform that lets construction companies connect with construction workers. John Reed, welcome to the show. Awesome, Todd. Really, uh, really happy to be here, obviously. Um, I'm super stoked to, you know, get nitty and gritty about uh, everything construction innovation and uh, talk about how Faber Technologies is changing the game. Let's do it. Uh, first off, I'd love to hear your story on how you got into the construction industry to begin with. Totally, man. So, uh, you know, just like uh, every high school kid, you got to work a job sort of in the summertime. And um, I was lucky enough and fortunate enough to have a friend whose dad happened to be in construction and was kind of looking for general laborers, uh, you know, sweepers and kind of worked my way up obviously there in the industry. But um, yeah, kind of one hot summer in Vancouver, decided to give it a shot in construction and uh, got connected with him and landed myself on uh, a very big mall expansion project, sweeping floors and uh, learning everything I could from the, from the ground up sort of there. So um, that's kind of how my journey started into the construction industry. And uh, I really enjoyed it. I really liked working outside, really liked working with my hands and, you know, kind of slowly um, over each summer uh, throughout high school before I went to university uh, would just get a job in construction and whether it's working for him or, or working for another company. Nice. Uh, so tell the, the listeners a little bit more about kind of Faber Connect and, you know, where the idea come from. Yeah. So, um, you know, Faber Connect was, uh, basically the brainchild from one of my co-founders, Justin Locke. He had also been in the construction industry for about 20 years. Um, he had just posted on a, a Facebook wall being like, Hey, I want to start this awesome uh, app that's going to help construction companies connect with construction workers. Um, kind of the light bulb obviously went off in my head working in the industry uh, before. Um, you know, I'm sure a lot of these listeners will know the pain points of having to work with temporary labor agencies, but mm -hmm. I experienced those firsthand when I was, you know, 17 years old working with temporary labor crews and, uh, the light went off in my head when Justin made that post. And, uh, so I reached out to him and, you know, we kind of got together and started building out a business model that was going to help construction companies connect with construction workers. Like you mentioned, Todd, through a mobile app and, uh, you know, kind of create that gig economy approach to the construction industry that hasn't really happened uh, over the last, you know, 10 to 15 years. It's kind of been that same old temporary labor model that we've, we've seen across North America. Yeah, I think that's really cool. I, I love the, um, you know, really the simplicity of the concept, connect construction companies with construction workers. I, I think that's great um, and, and needed yeah. for sure. Yeah, totally. You know, um, I love a lot, a lot of the innovation obviously happening in the construction industry right now, whether it's, you know, mass timber projects, modular, you know, modular projects going on. And, you know, you have the pro the auto desks of the world, you know, even you guys uh, and applied software, what you guys are doing uh, for the construction industry, but 
you know, the one lacking thing we saw was uh, the need for construction workers on construction projects. I think that is actually the biggest issue the industry is facing right now is the, the lack of skilled trades and the lack of labor um, mm -hmm. that these companies can kind of, uh, you know, claw onto their site for lack of better words. Um, and so, you know, we just try to keep it super simple, um, two-sided marketplace, construction companies on one side, workers on the other. And, you know, we kind of manage all the stuff in between. Yeah. So you bring up the labor shortage. I think one of the, the big problems there is just not enough young people and the next generation coming into the industry. Totally. How do you, how do you go about attracting that next gen? Oh, totally. Yeah. One, one thing's definitely going to be technology. Uh, millennials are always on their phones. Um, they're used to ordering food off their phones. They're used to booking uh, cabs on their phones or, you know, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, we really target obviously that demographic through, you know, Facebook, Instagram, social media, and we've obviously been doing it for a long time. So we have a lot of the metadata in our backlog to be able to target these people. And, yeah. um, you know, young people, obviously in today's day and age, want the flexibility, the days of the nine to five job in construction aren't attractive to, uh, young people, you know, they want to be able to work a three month project as a carpenter. Uh, come off that project with some money and maybe go travel, you know, obviously maybe not into today's times, obviously. It's a bit, uh, uh, <laughs> Hopefully one know, day again. <laughs> totally. Right. But imagine being able to be a carpenter and, you know, work on a project for six months and then, you know, go to Tahiti for six months if that's, you know, what you want to do. Um, but then, you know, be able to pick up your profile, turn it on to available and quickly browse jobs, uh, you know, directly from your phone. So that's obviously the, the approach that we've kind of looked at to attracting young people into the industry mm -hmm. is kind of making it cool again, um, showing them uh, everything there is to these projects as well before they get uh, obviously locked in, right? Yeah, for sure. I, I like the making construction cool again. Uh, what's kind of a, a recipe for, for you and going about that? You know, I often say that construction has a marketing problem and construction 100%. as an industry isn't really that good at selling the advantages and the cool things that are coming going on in the industry there so much more innovation so much more tech that is in construction than what people realize and so you know i, I go back to the marketing issue but how do you make construction cool again yeah like you know one way that Faber is really tackling this is just through gamification in our app um, okay. So, you know, like uh, bonuses, for example, for uh, completed projects to the very end. I know a lot of listeners probably deal with no-shows on their construction sites. Um, so that's a metric that we obviously track for that worker. And it kind of makes it cool that they can see all these metrics that they're achieving. And, you know, there's yeah. cash bonuses, I guess, attached to um, them staying on a project for three months. Um, you know, a lot of project managers get bonuses and site superintendents get bonuses for completing projects on time and at a schedule. So we kind of brought that obviously onto the worker side of things that's been working really well. Number two would obviously be the, the skill tracking that we're doing in the app and the performance reporting we're actually doing. Um, so, you know, I don't know how many construction companies do this, but um, I know some people obviously can sign off on people's hours for, hey, this guy worked six hours doing framing. We've mm -hmm. actually built that into the app. And so a young person could come on with no skills, start working in the construction industry, and we can actually track all those skills those skills then get endorsed by the construction company that that uh, worker is working for. Um, we're able to track all those skills, very simple, very similar to like a LinkedIn endorsement. Um, gotcha. So, you know, that kind of 
reflection from the worker being like, wow, look, I'm getting endorsed by all these people. I'm feeling good, right? I'm feeling good that this uh, construction company says I'm a good framer, right? Uh, That's another thing I I think that the construction industry doesn't have is um, the empathy for the worker and being able to say like, hey, you're doing an awesome job. Today you did great. You know, it's it's more like get this sh- wall put up and get the shit done as fast as possible, and you know, you know, get off my site. You know, so yeah. uh, we're kind of bringing that aspect obviously to the industry, and then you know, number three I think is just uh, the vast uh, amount of jobs that we have on our platform. So it really gives the worker the ability to choose what they want to work on um, and who they work for, and they can kind of see the ratings uh, about these companies from the actual uh, marketplace. So we have the workers obviously rate these companies. Uh, and you can see basically like full job description of what you're doing, the tasks that you're going to be required to do. So mm-hmm. it just creates a more transparent network. So those are kind of the three recipes that we're kind of integrating into the Faber app to try to make it cool again in construction. Nice. Uh, I, I like that it's kind of leveling the the playing field and with the the power structure that everybody kind of has insights and visibility into, uh, you know, what's what's going well, what's going maybe not so well, and we know where everybody is standing on that. I think that's really cool. Totally. And I think there's two sides to every story in construction, right? There's the worker side and the contractor side and, you know, um, don't want to, no pun intended, but I think we're bridging the gap between both those um, and trying to make, uh, you know, the worker feel really welcome on a construction site and also the contractor feel that he's actually getting the type of worker that he actually needs. Um, You know, a lot of recruiting and staffing companies that are out there just try to plug holes. We're really trying to obviously try to match the best worker for the job beyond just, um, you know, skill set, but everything else in between, right? Does the guy show up on time? You know, can he complete the project? Is he late? And really, we feed that all through the rating and review system. The Bridging the Gap podcast is brought to you by Applied Software. With solutions for the modern project, Applied Software is on a mission to transform industries by empowering clients and championing innovation with real-world expert consultants. Their comprehensive array of solutions for AEC, MEP, and manufacturing has a singular focus, helping you achieve higher performance. With software, training, support, consulting, and custom development, Applied Software has you covered. Visit asti.com and let them know we sent you. Very cool. Um, so circling back for a moment on bringing more people into the industry, especially young people, what's kind of the, the pitch for going to a trade school? How do you encourage more people to pick trade school over you know, a, a normal um, you know, four-year college that it's, everybody's being pushed into? <laughs> Yeah, that's a funny one. There's a lot of funny memes, obviously, out there where the, uh, you know, the the art student goes and gets his degree and, you know, is $200,000 in debt and is, and is working, you know, kind of a dead end job. And then you have the yep. other side and it's a, a carpenter who has no student debt, uh, making 80K a year. Um, and in four years, you know, has bought a house or something like that. So that's yep. obviously a, a funny one to float around there. Um, the trade school one's an interesting one because... We, you know, we try to obviously partner with trade schools and, and funnel workers there, but they're, they're still pretty packed, right? It, it's tough to get into a trade school sometimes. Um, so, you know, at least up here in Vancouver, I don't know the, the landscape, obviously, in Atlanta, but, um, you know, we don't have a ton of institutions that are kind of pushing for that or private institutions that are pushing, pushing for that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, we kind of leverage the Faber platform as a learning uh, experience, right? As if we can connect with employers 
that want to train and uh, teach workers a skill like carpentry using our tagging system and our endorsements, we're able to actually figure out, you know, how that person's leveling up. And hopefully, mm -hmm. you know, that person can go from a, you know, a general labor like I was sweeping floors in four years on the platform from working for different contractors and different sub trades all the way up to, you know, a carpenter sort of deal. So, um, yeah, that's kind of how we're looking at it, I guess, from a, a skill, skilling up the workforce perspective. Yeah. Interesting. The, the training gap in the industry, I, I think is a really interesting point to, to bring up. You mentioned a little bit there how Faber is kind of going about closing that gap. Um, how do you take advantage of that during downtime that some people are, are dealing with now? Yeah, I think, you know, a lot of these contractors now have a little bit more time on their hands to be able to walk through those skills in a little bit more detail, obviously, as projects kind of either slow down or um, kind of go to 50% capacity so they can take the time. I, you know, I know I was talking to a contractor the other day and he's trying to get eight floors of framing done in a week. And I'm like, you probably don't have time to, to train anyone during that yeah. time, right? So I think capitalizing on that downtime as important, but you know, as you know, Todd, construction never stops. It's always going fast paced environment. So um, definitely bringing the technology that we've built in um, mm -hmm. to be able to track all that stuff. So when a worker logs his hours, he's logging, you know, I did two hours of back framing, you know, two hours of sheathing and, you know, two hours of a truss install or whatever it is. Right. And that mm -hmm. contractor, when he signs off on the worker's hours, he can just endorse him for those skills. Right. So none of that actual data gets missed. Um, you know, with pen and paper, it's really easy to be like, you're writing down, I did this, this, and this, the next thing, you know, it's either flying down the high rise building or getting coffee spilled on in a trailer. So, um, right. I definitely think the technology platform, um, that we're bringing works in with a, a fast paced environment, but definitely during these downtimes, we've tried to push our contractors to take it slow. And, uh, you know, if you are bringing someone new on, take the time to show them how it's done and, um, go from there. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Uh, so I'm going to pivot a bit and want to put the spotlight a little bit on the culture in the construction industry. It's always a fun you, one to talk about. <laughs> do you think the construction industry needs to, to focus on building a, a better culture? I got goosebumps a little bit there, but yeah, a hundred percent. When I first worked, started in construction when I was 16, uh, you know, coming onto a huge construction site and, you know, seeing the, the demographic and, and the environment that I was in, I definitely was a little bit like, Oh, wow this is what I'm going to do for the next three months, uh, sweep floors in this environment, <laughs> right? And people are yelling at each other, uh, you know, swearing at each other. And I get it. It's a fast paced environment, but I definitely think the construction industry needs to bring in uh, a better culture and market the culture a little bit better. Uh -huh. um, you know, we kind of touched on that a little bit earlier, but um, yeah, for sure. I think the construction industry needs to make a change in order to also attract these young people that are there. And uh, you know, kind of looping back to our uh, rating side on the workers is, they're able to rate their contractor, right? So yeah. that's obviously giving a performance report directly to that construction company on, you know, how well their contractor is even dealing with, you know, contracted labor that comes in. And I think that really creates a better bird's eye view for the employer on whether or not, you know, that site superintendent is, yeah, he's able to drive projects um, to completion, but, you know, do people want to work for that guy? Right. Um, and if he's a shitty person, probably not. I wouldn't want to work for someone who's an asshole. Uh, regardless if it was in construction or it was in the tech field, you look at the technology sector. Uh, I used to work for a company called DoorDash. I'm sure you're familiar with them. And you yeah. know, one of the big draw, draw points was how awesome their culture was, right? 
like, you know, you were able to kind of choose your own hour sort of deal. Everyone was super nice. You know, they did free lunches on Fridays, that sort of stuff. And I know it's an added cost, but you know, that added cost turns into better productivity, turns into faster projects being completed and done. Right. Um, and so, you know, I could go on and on about (laughs) the culture and construction for a good two, three hours. Um, but, uh, maybe we'll save that for another episode. (laughs) Yeah. I'm, all about culture. Uh, I, I think it's critically important. And I would uh, kind of add on to, to what you said there. You, you mentioned that, you know, culture's an added cost. Um, I, I think that we need to change some of that perception too, uh, that it is a cost because it, 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 when it's done right, it is a huge ROI that you're going to get back because your people are going to be more productive. They're going to be wanting to come into work. They're going to be excited about it and they're going to be bring that innovative mindset as well too. And just bring so much energy into the company that totally you're not really going to be able to, to, to calculate just how big of ROI return you got back. It's going to be so big. I agree. And I think the number one thing is obviously having a happy workforce, right? You, no one wants someone who comes into their job and like punches their coupon and goes out the door. They want to no. feel that they're heard. They want to hear that they have an opinion voiced, right? And, um, you know, that's a big thing for us, obviously, is having the workforce, give us feedback, give us feedback on who you're, who you're, you know, doing this contract labor work for, you know, give us feedback on all this stuff. So they actually feel a little bit more heard. Um, and, you know, I'm sure a lot of these listeners, some might be shaking their head and saying, Oh, no, we just need to get these projects done. But, you know, I really hope it opens uh, the eyes to some people and they're able to understand that the, the best way to get that ROI on productivity is, is not just bringing in technology, but also just making sure that your, your workforce is happy and they enjoy working for you. And they're not just there to, you know, collect their coupon for lack of better words um, and yep. kind of move on to the next project. Yeah. Agreed. I, I think it is probably most evident in a, the generational divide there. Millennials for for all the rap that we're going to take. I'm going to embrace my millennial status here. Uh, culture is so big. We want to feel that, uh, you know, a part of the culture within we're working for something bigger and better. And I think in order to attract the younger generations, companies are going to have to take a look at this. And the companies that already are, you can see they're, they're already leap years ahead of the rest of the, the competition out there. So it's something that if you're not focused on this right now, you're not going to be left behind. You've already been left behind and you got to pick it up. I agree. And uh, you know, it is tough to have hard conversations with people, right. And to be transparent is, is extremely difficult in you know, everyday life, even beyond work. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's really important if you can bring in that transparency into your culture as well. And, uh, you know, have that open door sort of policy. And you might see that with some construction companies in their office. And I know it's going to be difficult to obviously do in the field, but if you can make just baby steps at it as a time, um, you know, for example, uh, Scott Construction here in Vancouver did a really great job at, at doing something called the Lunchbox Challenge. And so, you know, every, every Friday they would basically um, feed the, the staff on their um, high rises that are going up, right? And whether uh-huh. it's 300 lunches and, you know, the, the premise of around this was they would challenge another construction company to do the same thing. So you had all these developers and these general contractors kind of, competing to who could do the better lunchbox challenge right and at the end of the day like it's a good marketing you know for them like oh come work at scott you know or come work at 
uh, any of these companies. It's awesome. We have a great working environment also on site, but then also the workers benefit. They're like, oh, nice. Like I'm getting this free lunch from Scott Construction on Fridays. Like, why would I want to work for the next guy when, you know, I can see that there's culture being built there. So, yeah. um, yeah, I think it's just super important to bring that into the industry. The Bridging the Gap podcast is brought to you by Applied Software's Live Lab Learning, a virtual classroom experience where students can listen, interact, and learn from veteran real-world application specialists in real time from anywhere in the world. Live Lab is the affordable, convenient way for your staff to take Autodesk certified training courses and even earn some AIA continuing education credits, all from the comfort of your own office. Visit ASTI.com for more information and let them know we sent you. I think that's great. Good example. Um, what does it, the better culture really kind of look like to you in, in practice? You mentioned an example just there with the Lunchbox Challenge, but uh, expand upon that for me. Yeah, I think performance reports are definitely like a, a really big, uh, big measurement having KPIs that you can actually track your workforce on. I know that's obviously difficult to do, but, um, you know, having those uh, toolbox conversations every morning, like, hey, here's the game plan and knowing who the leader is on site, right? I think that's really important. Um, that's mm -hmm. just kind of one avenue, whether it's every morning or whether it's, you know, at, at, the, at the afternoon being like, hey, you know, what were your wins? What were your losses? You know, we do that on our on our team here is, you know, every Friday I get together with our, our sales org and I say, hey, what are your guys' wins? What are your losses? And what did you learn this week? Right. And, you know, mm -hmm. how, 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 how often are you doing that with your crew at the end of the day? Right. Taking that 20 minutes that's maybe unpaid and, and, and ask them those questions. So you know, that's kind of obviously one example that you can do. And then, you know, getting together with your staff after hours, I think, is also super important to, to, to kind of bridge that that gap into building a better culture. So, um you know, those are just some examples, I guess. It's going to be different from every, from, from other construction companies, right? And, and kind of the sector they're obviously in, but. Yeah. If you could encourage a construction company to just do kind of one thing, what's, what's the, the lowest hanging fruit there for you? Yeah, I think listen to your employees, listen to your workforce. If someone's like, hey, I want to go and do this because it's going to better my skill set to help you out, mm. pay for it, get them to go and do it. Um, cause at the end of the day, it's benefiting you as well. Um, I think a lot of construction companies sometimes are like, we're going to lose a day of work if this worker goes and does his safety, you know, training or fall safe training or whatever. But at the end of the day, you're investing in your workforce and, and definitely listen to them because they have a lot of really innovative, uh, things to probably say. Yeah, for sure. I think you, most people would be surprised with all the ideas that come back when you, when you open those floodgates up, uh, -huh and a lot of really good winning ideas there too. Yeah. And Hey, not every idea is a winning idea. And if you can, you know, if you can walk through it with that person and show them a, why, you know, it might not work or why it is a good idea, then that's awesome to them. At least they hear they're They, they feel like they're getting listened to. Right. Which is, which is important. Everyone likes to be heard. Right. Well, even on some of the ideas that maybe not be at, uh, as spot on <laughs> you having that conversation, you might think of another idea that is actually better or tweak that idea and like, Oh, well, if we did it this way, that would, that makes that a lot better or more manageable. And totally. there's some, you know, just straight up bad ideas out there, but uh, yeah. having that open conversation is, is critical for sure. Yeah. You know, our, our, our office here is just under 30 people. Um, and I always tell people in their, their respected organizations is like five brains is better than one. 
So like, if you have an idea for something, don't hold back. Like let's have an open conversation about it. And Hey, it might not be the idea that we end up going with, but at least there's a conversation being had and who knows, maybe there'll be five ideas that come up and we'll take a tidbit of all of them because it's all on one central kind of key theme that we're kind of focusing on uh, for the quarter. So um, yeah, again, I think it just comes down to like listening as well to your workforce. Yeah. So why should construction firms kind of embrace innovation uh, and technology? And, and, you know, really, if they're resistant to innovation, why should they give innovation a try? Yeah, I feel like that's a loaded question, obviously, (laughs) there. Um, But you're going to get, you're going to be beaten in the dust, right? Like, we're coming into an age, if you just even look at the COVID situation that happened, everyone had to go work from home, get on Zoom, you know, innovate how they were collaborating. Um, And, you know, over the next hundred years, construction is going to change so drastically. And if you're, you know, still sticking to pen and paper um, or like, you know, pen and paper drawings in the next five years, you're just going to be, you know, lacking the innovation compared to the next guy. So, um, Mm. you know, you don't have to do it all at once. I'm not asking, uh, I shouldn't say I'm not asking, but I don't think anyone in the construction technology space is being like, you need to do, you know, this BIM thing and, you know, you need to do all this. It's just like bring in some level of Mm. innovation and work through that and build that up because that's going to better your company internally. And it goes back to kind of, I guess, the millennial workforce that is coming up, not only on the field side, but also on the project manager, PC side of things, you know, estimator side is they're going to want to use technical tools and it's going to cost you some money, but you're going to see the ROI at the end. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, So just, you know, my best best advice I give for construction companies that want to innovate and bring in technology is do it slowly don't do it super fast. Don't do it just because you, uh, you know, the next guy's doing it as well. Um, take the time to actually look into the product, research the product and see if it actually is going to make the most sense for your business. Yeah. I right there with you on a deliberative process and don't try to eat the whole horse in, in one bite, you know, take your time. That's okay. Totally. Just what are your thoughts something. on that? Uh, uh, you know, I think innovation is, is critical, but it, it starts with, I, I think, taking the time up front to be deliberate on what are we trying to accomplish with it? And then having that conversation with all different stakeholders, all different departments in the company. It's, it's not a, a silo thing. It's, it's going back to the culture aspect of it. You have to form a culture of innovation and have that okay. And part of the culture of innovation is knowing that it's okay to fail, try totally. to fail quickly and early <laughs> so, and learn from that. Um, but I think that's probably one of the biggest stumbling blocks around innovation is this fear that if you try something new, you try something different and it doesn't work, then you're on the hook. And I think companies have to free their employees up from that and kind of get over that mentality totally. because yeah, Failing is not the end of the world, not trying something and not doing a new process because you're scared. That's really failing in the end. Yeah. And, and you know, A-B test it, right? Like think of a construction company like a technology company. We don't build features here just out of the blue. You know, we obviously have some uh, insight onto, hey, this is a good feature. And we A-B test it and, and figure out if it's better than, you know, our current strategy before we implement it. So you know, there's a lot of stuff that you can do. And the awesome thing about that is you get your employees involved on a fun project, right? Where they get to, you know, 
one team tests one thing and the other team tests one thing and measure the data and then look at the results, right? And be able to compare notes. And, you know, they'll find that obviously, you know, at least our team here finds that obviously really interesting. And, um, you know, I don't know if it's the same thing on your guys's end, but obviously super important. Yeah. I, I love A-B testing things because <laughs> I think you'll be surprised with it too. You know, you go in with an assumption that A's the better, whatever. And then B ends up being it by, you know, maybe a little bit, or maybe it blows it out of the water. And then you can go back and kind of research why totally. you learn a ton of stuff from that. So yeah. yeah. A-B testing all the way. Yeah. It's uh, you know, that innovative process I think is, is super important. And, you know, I think you hit the, the nail on the head is building a culture of innovators within your office. Um, you know, we try to do that day to day basis and yeah, just try to get everyone involved. I know it's tough. It takes time you know, for every hour that we have, you know, our all hands meetings with all 30 of our staff, whether it's in uh, zoom or uh, it's an in-person meeting, obviously. Yeah. It's a cost. It's a cost that you take that one hour of everyone's time. Right. But that one hour you might get, you know, eight hours in return uh, from just one idea that gets sparked up. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally agree. Um, So what does innovation mean to you? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that's a good question there. Yeah, I think uh, innovation to me is thinking outside the box. You know, you touched on that point earlier about kind of being stuck in your old ways. Um, but I think it is looking at, you know, your old ways and thinking, you know, on the right side of the spectrum, like this is crazy. And then the left side of the spectrum being like, okay, um, you know, these are some things that might work and trying all of those things. And then doing that measurement, obviously, and, and figuring out what works. But um, yeah, definitely taking the leap uh, outside of your comfort zone. Uh, I think that is like my at least definition of innovation there, uh, is, is just kind of thinking outside of the box compared to whatever, what, what, compared to what everyone else is doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How about yourself? I think that's great. Um, for me, innovation is more kind of a mindset than anything else. Uh, so it's, it's not a formulaic thing that you can say if I, go into a room by myself with a whiteboard or, you know, brainstorm with other people and do X, Y, Z, then I'm going to be innovative. It's fear of failure aspect of it. Totally. So being truly innovative is having the courage to try something. The Bridging the Gap podcast is brought to you by Evolve MEP. MEP construction software for Revit. Evolve's MEP software for Revit makes project collaboration fast, simple, and more productive, which in turn significantly reduces project risk and cost. Born from the reality of a lack of available skilled labor in the industry, Evolve MEP has transformed the MEP detailer workflow. It's time for MEP to harness the Revit platform to offer seamless collaboration like no other software before it. Visit EvolveMEP.com and let them know we sent you. Yeah, to touch on that failure point, I guess it could go back to my, uh, when we were starting this business, right? I was uh, two years into school doing my econ and political science degree. I wanted to become a lawyer. I didn't think I was ever going to step into construction. This idea kind of just popped on my uh, radar on this Facebook post, obviously. And I said, screw it, I'm going to go ahead and do this. And we failed. The curve literally was like this. 
and you know, we kind of are, are figuring it out obviously now, but yeah. you know, how many times we failed on, on product launches, how many times we threw away code and then we're like, why did we throw away that, that code? Um, you know, and, and kind of kept failing until you kind of figure it out. Um, and you know, any, any business owner knows that it's not just a straight curve all the way up, right? You're going to have these hot coals for lack of better words, um, on building your business. And it's important to fail because you're going to learn from that. Yeah. I'm reminded of the Einstein or it's the Edison that he didn't, you know, it took him like a thousand tries to invent the light bulb. And so he says he didn't fail 999 times. He learned 999 ways not to do it. And I think that really kind of embodies innovation of learning from each and every time, whether it's a win or not, you learn something from that to get better. Yeah. And, you know, that's kind of touching on to how, how at least, you know, in, in my organization is we, we look at our Fridays, right. And we kind of have a, a Friday conversation about wins, losses, and what did you learn? Mm. You know, yes. and we're having a conversation the other day and this one guy was saying, you know, I didn't really win much, but I have all these losses that I had. I said, well, and then, you know, we got to the question on what did he learn? He's like, well, I don't know. I didn't, you know, I had to tell him like, well, you had five losses. Did you learn anything from those losses? He said, well, yeah. I said, well, well, great. Those are the five things to learn this week, right? And innovate on those or, you know what I mean? Yeah. Learn from those next week. So I think that's sure. super important. Um, what drew you to construction, Todd? Uh, so I, I kind of landed in here uh, quite on accident, honestly. Uh, so I, I come at it from the marketing side of things. So I was in marketing straight out of college, did a couple uh, different companies, uh, HR outsourcing and consulting firm. Uh, I was doing their marketing and then saw the job for applied software, um, applied and got it, not really knowing much about AEC uh, and just kind of fell in love with the, the people in the industry awesome. and uh, the, the stories that are, are here in the industry are incredible. It's one my favorite thing about doing the podcast is is getting to hear all these different stories and perspectives and the angles that people are coming at it from the industry. Um, so yeah, uh, quite by accident landed into construction. So you're loving it now and you, you know, you're obviously not going to turn back. It seems like, uh, on the industry. So yeah, yeah, that was, uh, six, six and a half ish years ago. Um, you know, falling into AC and uh, I just think it, there's such a cool, spirit in the in the industry of can do attitude and we're going to figure out how to make it happen um, which is inspiring and just exciting it's a it's a good energy to to be around yeah totally i think the stories in construction are always so interesting you know you get uh, a couple beers with the site superintendent or a project manager and you know just a the horror stories obviously about construction but all the great stories about like you know 4am concrete pours in order to get a slab prep, you know, yeah. slab finished. And, you know, we all banded together and, you know, the rebar guys were chilling with the concrete, you know what I mean? And everyone kind of banded together as a, almost like a family in order to get that scope of the project done. And um, I think those are the stories that really inspire me. And, and, you know, obviously, um, you know, keep, keep me up and say, Oh, wow. Construction is such an awesome industry because there's moments like that um, that don't get talked about enough you know, right. it's all the horror stories that get talked about construction, right. About X, Y, and Z. Uh, but no one says, wow, like, do you know about this or do you know about that? Or do you know what, you know, about this that's happening in? And obviously from a marketing perspective, I think it happens, but 
people just sometimes prefer to talk about the horror stories and you know i'd uh, applaud people to kind of talk about all the, the big wins they've had along the way as well yeah for sure that's really kind of the the heart undertone behind this podcast is we want to champion all those people and those stories because they're really amazing and, and there's very cool stories. I think that the teamwork that you brought up in the construction industry is probably unmatched in most other industries of how people can come together and just create something out of nothing. I think that's totally. incredible. Um, and yeah. that's, yeah. I go back to the, the marketing problem of construction is, uh, as an industry, we're just not very good at telling those stories and sharing them out. And I think we got to do a better job of that. Yeah, I agree. You know, we have our, uh, our marketing, uh, head of marketing here, Jerome, you know, I know he's been busy all week. Shout out Jerome for, uh, doing, uh, doing videos with, uh, contractors that we work with, right. And getting interviews and talking to them, not only about favor, but their stories about construction, right. And, um, you know, we're kind of trying to build out a, a 10 episode series kind of from some of the general contractors here and some of the ones down nice. in Dallas and, um, you know, that's kind of the first saga. And then the next is, you know, getting a day in the life of construction, right? Like, let's go talk to carpenters. Let's go talk to concrete form workers, electricians, X, Y, and Z, and, you know, have them kind of, uh, be, have a loaded ended question, but like, what would you tell the, you know, the next generation of the workforce that's coming up about the industry and, you know, what's awesome about it? Because when you get someone that actually, uh, you hear from firsthand about their experiences in the industry, it, it fires you up more, right? Like when I was 16 and I, uh, you know, went to my friend's dad's house and he was telling me about the industry, right? It, that's what got me excited about, mm. you know, going out and, and, and trying to, to make my way in the construction industry. And I think you definitely need more of that. Um, I'm sure you probably remember, Todd, like your, your high school, they'd have a assembly and they'd get a bunch of people from different careers in and there'd be a dentist, a lawyer, a teacher, um, and, you know, one, one other person, <laughs> but there was no one in construction, right? And, the right. dentist would talk about how awesome it is being a dentist, right? And everyone would be like, Ooh, I want to be a dentist, right? But you never had a carpenter come in and like their full carpentry gear and, you know, maybe build a bench or something like that in front of everyone and make it seem so Which cool, would, right? <laughs> well, the crowd. <laughs> right, right. Imagine that, right? Like the lawyers and, and you know, not dissing uh, the law profession at all. Um, you know, my, my sister's husband's a lawyer as well. I give him a hard time, but, you know, come in with the suit there and be like, Hey, you know, this is what you're going to do. You're going to read you know, 600 pages of this deposition. And, you know, meanwhile, you have this like carpenter in the background building this bench where half the audience is going to be looking at, right. The carpenter, or are they going to be listening to the other guys? So, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Awesome. Well, how do people find out more information and, and get in touch with you? Totally. Super simple. Um, you can either visit my LinkedIn, just John Reed, uh, and then search favor technologies there and I'll pop up. Feel free to DM me. Always open to having conversations about uh, stories in the industry. Um, and if you're interested in obviously signing up for favor, you just go to www.favorconnect.com. Uh, click the sign up button on the top right corner, free to sign up and check out the software. Um, yeah, that's pretty much how you get in contact with us. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for the time and discussion. Yeah, really enjoyed being on the podcast, Todd, and uh, I'm sure we'll have some offline conversations uh, in the near future here. It sounds good. And thank you to those listening. If you are interested in learning more, you can visit our sponsor, Applied Software, at asti.com for more information. You can listen to this podcast anytime by simply going to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out our website, bridgingthegappod.com. Until next time, I'm Todd Wyant. Thank you for joining us on the Bridging the Gap podcast. Keep innovating.
Thanks for listening to the Bridging the Gap podcast. Enjoyed the episode? Leave us a rating or review while sharing with your friends and coworkers. I'd love to hear from you. Send me a LinkedIn request or follow our LinkedIn page and let me know if there's a topic you'd like to hear. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening. Bridging the Gap is directed by Todd Wyan, produced by Alyssa Chartier, edited and produced by Eric Daniel. Bridging the Gap is an applied software production. Copyright Applied Software 2020.